0: Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Here's your host from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, we are the Get Savvy Club and we're on a mission to teach anyone in property how to get visible online. Why? So you can get deals, you can get direct bookings, you can find JV partners and investors, or if you're a realtor or estate agent, you can find new stock and ultimately you can make money. If you would like our help, just message us on info at getsavvyclub.co.uk or find us on social media.
1: Today, and we have with us Ellie Mackay, who has her own pod. She's a podcaster herself, uh, but she's more than that. She's an entrepreneur, done lots of different, serial entrepreneur, done lots of different things. She talks openly about her struggles that she's had mentally in the past, postnatal depression and whatnot. I think only like about five years ago or so, she had three young children struggling on job seekers, wanted to do something, not too sure what. I think has been dragged her along to a property event, which if you're in property, you'll know a lot of it's about mindset as well. It's not just about, oh, I'm just going to run a property business. You've got to get your head screwed on first. And the mindset side of it really helped her. And that sort of changed her around. And you'll, you'll hear in the podcast her, her story and where she's at now and what she's achieved and, and what she's doing. So it's interesting, to, especially if you're feeling like oh, every day is hard i'm struggling whatever this one could inspire you to make you think you can turn things around at any time you can make that decision can't you awesome yeah really inspirational cool
0: let's get into it if you're enjoying property marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate follow and subscribe
2: The first time people probably got to know me was back in 2018 when I started putting myself out there online. That whole concept of people need to know who you are in order to do business with you. So... Because our primary business at that point in 2018 was property, I was very much putting myself out there in that capacity because our business model was kind of reliant on private investment, angel investors, that kind of thing. So having that online, not just necessarily proof, this is probably where I differed from a lot of people in my space who were just relentlessly doing Video walk rounds of three beds. all like the
1: um, all the keys. The yeah, keys. I mean, I have, <laughs> I, I I have
2: done that, but I realised kind of very quickly it wasn't me, and yeah. you know, I mentioned actually it, 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 the property was our primary business back then but we're entrepreneurs we're business people we've always had other businesses an electrical business a fire business and I didn't really want to kind of get pigeon told to property but the reality was in 2018 when we started putting ourselves out there I couldn't do the whole what do you call it the, the proving the concept because we didn't have any properties you know we did our property training we were actually pretty aggressive we bought Two properties within four days of uh, completing our training, no money down, which is obviously money down, just not our money. I was on job seekers allowance at the time, but you didn't physically get the keys to those properties for another few months. So I refused to let that stop me and started talking about the kind of things that I felt I could talk about with authority which was trying to be a present mum to my three children who were all under the age of five at the time my youngest was less than a year old while scaling a business and Travelling a lot and putting yourself out there for networking events and meetings and eventually public speaking and and, and the sort of conflict that that causes you. Talking about my my journey with mental health, having been on hardcore medication for best part of a decade and having postnatal depression. So I started talking about things that were kind of relevant to me and I just realised very quickly that actually the more... Authentic. I know it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but the more authentic I was online and the more almost vulnerable, not in a woe is me sort of way, but more of a, you know, if I can do it, anyone can kind of do it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not easy. I was getting, one, I was getting a lot more traction, which people say is just ego, but I would dispute that because ultimately nobody puts content online for nobody to see it. The more people, the more views, the more eyes you've got on your profile, the more engagement you're getting, the more sort of successful well, that campaign is, if you like. But uh, I also found that the posts I did when I was sharing that authenticity also helped me get a lot more clients which was the complete opposite of everything that yeah. everyone was telling me to do and all these courses to do in my video walk rounds and people need to like know and trust you but I found oh, that Are actually, they still teaching that to people? I think so yeah whereas wow. I think people personally buy from people and of course you've mm-hmm. got to be good at what you do and you then need to be able to back that up which is yeah. the second part of the puzzle and some people are very good online but don't necessarily have that piece of the jigsaw as well so obviously there's a caveat there but yeah for me it was just about being myself people seemed to resonate with it and my definition of success really started to change because when I was getting a message from someone telling me that a post had stopped them from taking their own life or mm. and I've, I've, I've had many messages like that or I've inspired them to set up their own business or go to back into education in their 40s and go and get that degree they always wanted, they to, you know, wanted to do or they've came off a of medication or they've water immersion or anything at all, that became my definition of success so to answer your question in a very long-winded way what people initially knew me for which was sort of putting myself out there for property that's kind of really swung now and I don't talk about property at all because it's just one of many businesses that we have and really my focus is building the brand around the podcast and sharing value to to sort of hundreds of thousands of people through the On A Mission brand.
0: So if we could just go back because you said something which if I was listening to this and didn't know anything about property or was just starting out in property is pretty inspirational so you are on job seekers allowance you've got three really young kids you obviously went on a property training course which would have cost you quite a lot of money so that was a bit of a risk and quite scary and then was able to buy two houses without putting any of your own money in how does that work
2: yeah so I got made redundant whilst I was on maternity leave oh that happened to me (laughs) now give you a very
1: condensed uh, as well twice. on, I was maybe done on both of them because they shut the place down when I left, when I went on maternity leave. Both places got like shut and moved to Birmingham, weirdly. Yeah. So I think they were just, just, it was a good, I'll take it as a compliment because they were just waiting for me to go on maternity leave. Then they could actually, yeah, they still kept the desks and whatnot. And so both places wanted me to go to Birmingham. I was like, no thanks. But yeah, it was just, yeah, strange, but good. And they like did me a favor really, because if they'd have done it sooner, then I wouldn't have got all the maternity, the, all the things, your things your that come. So it helped me out to wait until three weeks after I'd given birth to do it. So, yeah, and how did it... How did it work for you then?
2: 2016, my husband's electrical business was literally that far from going bankrupt. It was one of the, if not the worst year of our life. It was absolutely horrendous. A big national contractor uh, in the construction space went under, owned us a significant amount of the money and it literally came down to the wire whether or not we were going to be able to keep trading. So in hindsight, the stress that was putting me under was having a very adverse effect on my pregnancy. Not that any of the health professionals at the time made that link and I was in and out of hospital they weren't sure if I had Crohn's disease it was a really stressful time I was at higher risk of, of miscarrying for that pregnancy I actually spent the majority of it on sick leave which prior to that I've never really been sick in my life you know I had an excellent attendance record at work I'm not somebody who particularly gets ill so I spent the majority of that pregnancy as I say at home or in hospital then had my beautiful daughter Isabella in the midst of all this chaos it was absolutely Carnage. We weren't sure if we were going to lose our family home. It was absolutely horrendous. And three months later, my husband was booked in for the snip. (laughs) Right. We, We got our two beautiful children. We've got all this shit happening excuse my language we were kind of done on the Monday of the consultation the Friday prior to that I found out I was pregnant oh my <laughs> <laughs> with my third and final definitely final a beautiful little boy Sammy so I'm a great believer that everything happens for a reason and oh my goodness he's he's just the biggest blessing ever but obviously at the time when you've still got postnatal depression and all these financial worries it was it was a bit of a nightmare I'm, I'm ringing up my word and I'm going look just to let you know I'm going to be going on maternity leave and I think they're thinking like oh she, she's going a bit loopy this must be the hormones are like Ellie you've, you've had the baby you you know Isabella <laughs> actually, she's here she's a few months old they're like no no this is another baby so yeah. I was like oh my god. um but yeah so when I was still on maternity leave for Sam I found out the whole contract. I worked in the prisons for nine years, working uh, helping to rehabilitate people and resettle them back into the community. And I basically found out I was being made redundant. And quite often and I'm sure there'll be people listening to this that can resonate what seems like the worst day in your life ends up being the best because I, I knew resonate, deep yeah. down I was capable of more I used to be in my early 20s late teens early 20s I was a real high flyer I had 100 staff working for me I used to earn really good money and somewhere along the line I just got beat down by life you know I'll save you the sob stories because everyone's got you know plenty of, of, of shit that happens to them but I ended up just being in victim mentality for quite a lot of years really and when I got made redundant it did kind of ignite something within me but I mentioned I was on heavy duty medication my anxiety was really bad at that time I was having regular panic attacks and struggling to leave the house so if it weren't for my husband I probably wouldn't have even had the confidence to go to Glasgow to do the property training that we did and I'd love to say we you know I've got to be careful because there is a bit of a disconnect between the Ellie that sat here now five years later and the Ellie back then so I share the story but it's hard to really connect with the emotion of it because it's almost hard for me to understand how I could have been so low but I remember just walking through those doors and being physically like shaking and trembling and the night before being laid in the fetal position crying say like I can't do this every time I pick myself back up something happens I just get beaten back down I might as well just stay down I was really yeah. sort of battling those those kind of inner emotions and I certainly don't want to make out that I did this property training course Course and then ta-da, life was great because that's when the real work starts. But that is really, I would say, when the, this sounds really cheesy, but for want of a better phrase, like the rebirth happened.
0: But, but it's yeah. down to you, isn't it? Because so many people do property training, but they never actually take that next step to either buy, rent, whatever, a property and actually start doing it. So how did that happen for you? I mean, a lot of the training is shit, to be honest. I think people yeah.
2: are so- sold a dream, let's be honest. Um, the training I did was really good. It opened my eyes to the different strategies, bearing in mind I had nothing to do with the wealth creation space at all. So a lot of the books that we all talk about really openly on the the mentorship programs, your Tony Robbins and all of that kind of thing, which is very popular within our space, that was a world that I really hadn't heard of and one of the things that was most impactful to me during that property training and if you ask my husband you'll probably get a completely different answer but it was the fact that the full first day was spent talking about mindset and one of the coaches one of the mentors I think uh, you know him Anna Billy Farrell he's a very good
1: friend of mine now and fun fact Ellie today we've got a podcast day and Billy is one of the ones we're actually doing later today Oh, amazing! So we've got, yeah, we've got, we've got Billy. So your, this will be out whenever. And then like a few weeks later, Billy's podcast will be out. Yeah, because we tried to do them all on the same day. So that like, you know. Billy's Billy's a very, very good friend of mine now. We
2: were actually looking at launching a business together, but I had to put that on ice at the minute because we're both just so busy. But like, we're we're super tight, but... Back then, you know, I used to listen to Billy's, what was it called, the Hardcore Entrepreneur. I
1: listened to that and I was gutted when he stopped doing it and I was like, what what are you doing here? Because, like, I need that. Because it was so, so, like real <laughs> it, was, it was really real yes. but it's been so interesting as well seeing how Billy's
2: evolved over the years and things mm. I don't think I mean I've told him but I don't know if he really knows how impactful that first day really was for me because he shared a story and I share it as well because not everyone I presume again we, we do this that everyone's heard the same stories that I've heard and actually mm. not everyone has and it really changed my life so I'm going to share it with your listeners as well Billy shared the story of a guy called Darren Hardy, who was the editor of Success Magazine, which is like the biggest entrepreneur magazine in in America, if not the world. And he was mentored by the godfather of self-development, Jim Rowan. Now, Darren was at a point of his life, he was hugely successful, but decided that he really wanted to settle down, he wanted to get married, he wanted to share his life with someone that he loved and cherished. So he actually wrote 40 pages front and back, a detailed list of his perfect women. So you can imagine the detail, the minute (laughs) detail he's went into. It's not just about looks here. It's about personality, culture, absolutely everything, all these different traits and mannerisms. And he went to Jim and he said, Jim, here's my list. How do I attract a woman like this into my life? And Jim just stopped him and said, Darren, you're asking the wrong question. The question that you need to ask yourself is who do I need to become to attract a woman like that? Into my life. And he went back and he looked at all his lists and he, he marked himself against all of those attributes or qualities or values and realized that he was falling short of the mark on quite a lot of them and set to work on himself. And once he had, and once he'd brought those scores up, if you like, for whatever of a more eloquent way of putting it, he attracted his now wife uh, in almost eerie detail into his life and she totally, you know, met that criteria. And when I looked in that old accountability mirror, that bloody thing you'd smash smashing, I'm telling you that accountability mirror. Yeah. When I looked in it in 2018 I had to be really honest with myself. I'm I'm in real estate. I'm in property. One of the big things that we need to be able to do is communicate at a high level. We never got in this to play small. We're looking to raise millions of pounds in capital. We're looking to stand on stages. We're looking to command rooms. We're looking to do... You know, silly amounts of properties on the same go. What skills? What does that require? And do I have those skills? And the answer was pretty much no. What attributes would I look for if I was investing hundreds of thousands of pounds? Making a list of them. Do I have those attributes? No, I didn't. Not really. Everyone talks so much in business about what you do and strategies and the five steps to success and all of this kind of thing. And I'm not dismissing that, but for me, and maybe it was more of a reflection on where I was starting from, which was a very low ebb but the far more poignant question for me was who do I need to become and then start going to war with myself and that was day one of the property training and that really was the the most impactful. But but to answer the question, we ended up getting on really, really well with another guy who's doing the property training. He was your classic avatar, cash rich, time poor, was actually based out in Qatar. He'd only flown over for the training, had access to lots of capital, didn't really have the resources to source the properties, to project manage them, to deal with all the brokers and solicitors and that side of thing. So we did some 50-50 JVs to get us started and establish that track record. And then as we got barriers in finance, we just kind of went off and, and did so you were business.
0: buying houses with his finance and doing them up and then selling them. Yeah. And so, what's
2: your main business now? Then, gosh, we're we're, we're Jacks of all trades. That's <laughs> the that's the reality of it. The podcasting nows uh, that's a mid six figure business in its own right. That's very lucrative for the first two years of my podcast. I uh, didn't have any sponsorship, didn't monetize it in any way at all. It was actually costing me thousands of pounds to be able to put on the production. I've got a team. I was using media agencies as well, video editors, et cetera, et cetera. So I call it a passion project. I always knew I was yeah. going to monetize it, but I just had very clear standards on what I wanted to achieve before I went yeah. down that route. And, and and again, I'm the least entrepreneurial entrepreneur you'll ever meet. So, you know, I'm not necessarily saying I'm the person you would come to for business advice. But for me, it was more important to build a loyal following, a fan base before I started spamming them with ads. And whenever I focus on money as the primary objective, I feel that it takes me away from doing the things that I'm really good at, which is connecting with people, putting on a good show, continually improving. So we may, might not have had, you know, we're just looking at how we can get better, how we can upscale constantly, as opposed to how we can chase a shiny penny. But always knowing that when you do that and when you do it well, and when you're constantly connecting with the right people, getting the right information, the right education, uh, the right resources, the right equipment, that the money side of it will kind of fall into place. But yeah. we also do. So for anyone lot- that wants, to listen, what's that podcast called? On a mission, but we we do all sorts. My husband, uh, we probably make most of our money through trading, trading through crypto. We invest in other businesses. We still have the property business. We kind of wrapped up our electrical and fire business. They're they're technically still there, but they're. Dormant. We're getting into some luxury essay. We've got three or four high-end essays going through that'll be like five-star holiday lets. So that'll be good for another source of income. And then... And will they be in Dubai? Or is that just... No, they're in the UK. We've got one in Ripon, one in Harrogate, one in... Whitby and yeah we've, we've got another holiday let in Gainsborough we will have once these are all going through legals at the moment but yeah they're going to be our sort of only property piece really we're selling off everything else oh yeah. okay
0: but how nice to just have all these different things to do and the variety is amazing who thought five years ago that this is where you'd be today
2: I do very little Anita you know <laughs> <laughs> I see that it's even more appealing to me <laughs> yeah I, I mean this makes it sound like so my husband does the property my husband does the trade, my husband does the credit you know what I do, though? I bring the people. I bring yeah. the people, I bring the money, I bring the ideas, I bring the creativity. It's just a we're like yin and yang, we've got completely opposing skill sets, but I, I'm not a fan of the whole hustling grind and that's not to say you have to roll your sleeves up and do the work when it's necessary but the best advice I can give anyone is to double down on doing what you love so it doesn't really feel like work and I've, yeah. I've kind of got this mashed up, blended life. There isn't really any boundaries. If I need to work till one in the morning I absolutely will but I'll also take the six week school holidays off and not you know think twice about it so it's yes it's great
0: with you there you know like people that do their nine to five the weekends off and they don't work on the holiday whereas i'll work when i need to work but i also don't work when i don't want to work and to me that's like the luxury of being self-employed so it doesn't bother me that you see know, sometimes on a tuesday we train in the evening that's absolutely fine but you know sometimes on a wednesday you'll find me just like going shopping because it's quieter than it is on a saturday or something like that so it's a luxury isn't it? yeah absolutely with 100
1: so what are the plans in dubai in terms of um are you going to set up businesses over there as well? Or is that just a case that you're just going to, to live over there? And how's, how's the process been in terms of getting the children into schools and all of that? Has it been quite straightforward? Yeah, I mean, there's not
2: as much red tape as you'd imagine because one of the big appeals to us about Dubai is that they really support business and entrepreneurship, yeah. and enterprise, they celebrate success over there. Whereas over here, we like to see people succeed until a certain level, but then we don't want them to kind of get, get too.
1: Don't get too big, don't get too good. Yeah, want, yeah they turn. People disconnect
2: doing. from you, yeah, don't they? It's, yeah. um, when they say success is a lonely path, it, it really is, which is why I talk about mindset and ice baths and stuff like that a lot more yeah, than yeah. I do about uh, businesses. But everyone who moves abroad must go through this. but really challenging because you don't know exactly what area you're going to live when the houses come up for rent in Dubai we're going to rent for the first 12 months they just go like that okay now it's not like the UK I'm not sure where you guys live but in Doncaster you could get a decent rental for like a thousand pound a month so if you were having to secure it for three or four months before you got there it's not the end of the world well in Dubai when you're looking at like 10-20 grand a month for rent you're not going to pay that for three or four months before you go you just absolutely aren't but you still have to commit to A school. So I'm thinking, okay, well, we just apply to all the schools and then we'll see where we get the property and then it's all fine. They've obviously got into that and now they require a couple of thousand pounds registration, which you get back (laughs) from your school fees that's refundable and all of this kind of thing. But it means that you can't do that. So we've had to kind of make a decision. There are schools that we've got some friends out there and their kids go to. So we're just like, right, we're going to have to pick that one. And if we don't end up living near there, it's just going to be a bit of a pain in the bum for commuting so our house our yuki house is going on the market this week so it's all up until this point it's just seemed like we've been talking about it for almost a year whereas now it's like oh the house is going on the market like shit's
0: getting real so what are you going to do just kind of go over with your clothes and buy everything new when you get there or what's happening with all your furniture (sighs) stuff? well again this is
2: this is the catch-22 because We were planning on getting it all couriered over there so the kids have got all their home comforts. When we moved into this, we've only been in this house two years, we bought a lot of new furniture as well. You know, it's like you probably get a fraction of what you paid for it. Yeah. But then some of the properties that we're seeing now are fully furnished. But if we, it takes 16, 20 weeks to get your stuff shipped out there. Does so it? if we, if we arrange oh. to get our stuff shipped out, then we secure a property that's furnished. We're going to have all this furniture out there. But there's so many little
0: you Yeah. you can, like, can't
2: allow myself to get stressed out about it. So I, I, I don't
0: these things know. have a happy, have a habit of all just coming together, don't they? Okay. <laughs> I'm like that. I like to have I like to know what's happening and be able to control it all and sometimes you just have to go It'll work out. <laughs> Just yeah, let it go. It'll work out. Yeah.
2: And, and and to be honest, this is you you know, you guys talk a lot about social media and the different ways to monetize it. But moving to somewhere like Dubai, the opportunities are absolutely amazing. So yeah. to answer your question, we will do property when we're out there, but we need to have set up our life in a way that what well, you're starting from scratch. You know what it's mm. like. Even with we have a few connections already out there and we're probably in a stronger position than a lot of people, but with any new business it does take a while like those two properties that we bought within four days of doing our property training just for a bit of realism for the listeners the money wasn't in the bank for 13 months we had a nightmare with conveyance in wow. because there were some sort of complications as happens with property to do with the complicated vendor situation some sort of a drama so that took a bit longer than anticipated the refurb took longer than anticipated because we were quite new and the project manager was as experienced as perhaps they'd insinuated the where many lessons are <laughs> along the way. The property sold within two weeks of going on the market, to be fair, but it was still thirteen months from start to finish. So we need to have set up our lives in a way that we are more than covered financially without relying on any kind of Dubai business. And yeah, so going back to the original point with social media, it's great. There's so many different ways to monetize it. And I'm only just starting properly with monetizing the social media. Yeah, with well, my podcast, absolutely, I've done that. You have to put in a lot of hard work as you guys know with social media but mm. now i'm really looking at capitalizing on the following that i've got and really trying to to scale that i've got a lot of exciting stuff happening i've got a book launch this year i've got like tv appearances i've been asked to like feature in some some quite decent magazines and the brand's really building so we're relaunching our youtube on the first of february with the view to having that as another source of income stream there's no reason you know we've got a target to get that up to x amount of thousand within x amount of months and then we're going to be putting our focus towards facebook monetizing facebook i know quite a lot of people now that actually have very similar followings to me they put a bit of focus into facebook and within six to twelve months are now averaging ten pound a month residual income just through facebook alone and there's just so many different ways when you are established that you can look at leveraging what you've built with the brand but i think a lot of people try
1: to perhaps do that too soon they're just like run before they can walk and actually you've got to do what you you did which is actually just turn up and be you to start and I think that's that's the scary bit but that's the most important bit because if you don't do that I mean we probably knew each other like on online first when we were completely different doing completely different things to what we do now our our podcasts weren't in create like weren't there or whatever but you just turn up and you just have to be you in wherever that is at that time so like you've just done a property training in Glasgow and you, you could have shared that Darren Hardy story at that time because you're like, actually, this blew my mind today. People would resonate with that. So it's just Yeah, getting started and not thinking all of a sudden you're going to be five, 10 years ahead. Like it can happen faster than ever though. That is the beauty of social media is it wouldn't take as long as back in the olden days when you were trying to establish yourself and get get known. But you do have to go through that period of actually just showing up and being you rather than trying to launch yourself straight into being like a mini celebrity or being known by, or assuming that people are going to care about what you say. You've got to come and bring some value and help. And like you say, you probably never thought your posts on social media, you would ever get people messaging you saying, oh, you've changed my life or this happened or that happened. that's probably not why you started out. You just started out because someone probably said, this is a good idea to do. And you're like, okay, uh, I need people to know I'm doing property now because it's different to what I was doing. And we need money, which is often when people come to us, they say, right, I want to scale my business. I want people to know I do property. How do I do it? And actually you might start with that, but like you say, you become something completely different and um, yeah. learn along the way. I think cool. a lot of people
2: come, in, come at things as well from a place of desperation because perhaps yeah. that's how the marketing is is aimed it's aiming at people that want to get rich quick or Mm. how to become a millionaire within a year and things and i don't necessarily there'll be exceptions to the rule but let's be honest for the vast majority of us that's not
1: how it happens and like podcasting like podcasting like you said there, you've started because it's a passion project you wanted to do it you're enthusiastic about it monetized it later and i think that's podcasting is exactly the same people think i'm gonna have a podcast i'm gonna talk about myself and then yeah. i'm gonna make all this money like it's gonna be great for me i'm gonna make all this money and like no you need to show up for the right reasons to start we say listen to the podcast if if you want to make money with marketing but you don't have any money because you can get lots of tips and help and inspiration from it without needing to pay anything and that's kind of why it's there to start but yeah people think it's yeah. gonna make me a ton of money and it, it you, won't start
2: you it's a bit like childbirth you have to leave your ego at the door yeah. with Social media, don't you? Because yeah. the amount of times I'm putting down war and peace, heart, soul goes into a post, and then it's like a cheers, mum, for liking my post. And yeah, exactly. I don't care what anyone says. At least your mum's
1: on social media. My mum's not, so it's like nothing. I, I, block,
2: I blocked my mum. I had to oh, block because she she was writing oh. comments on my post like, oh, that's my little brave bear. I was like, what the oh, fuck, no. <laughs> like, We actually yeah. say that
1: because actually, the harshest critics are those ones that are normally closest to you or maybe not even critics but like like that and I have the same with my brother like I'm like I'm good because sometimes he'll go hey love you sis and I think hang on I've just put out about this and you've just randomly put put something on there so yeah sometimes you do have to block people in your family don't you or friends or, or people that aren't aren't serving the cause of what you're trying to do. Well, they they and block
2: you as well I think so there's yeah. a, just, just a couple of points for your listeners one of the best bits of advice I can give you is to start putting yourself out there before you need to because all too often yeah. people start yeah. posting when they're looking for finance or they're <laughs> looking for podcasting whatever it is that you're looking for in your niche in your sector you know you, you need to warm people up you need to be doing yeah. it for months if not years prior to that and I don't think I'm particularly okay I'm, I am gifted on social media am I the most gifted person on social media absolutely not but I tell you one thing that I am and it's consistent especially in those early days too many people look at social media and building the brand is a nice to have but we all know the story like do you look at richard branson on instagram or tiktok compared to Virgin, he has got millions of followers, whereas Virgin only have a few hundred thousand, it's the exact same with Elon Musk and Tesla or SpaceX, people want to kind of know that person and the only way they can do that is from you showing up every single day, even on the days where you don't particularly feel like doing it and understanding that it is the real work, because this is the feedback I get off people, yeah I'm too busy doing the real work to sort of muck around on LinkedIn, it's like well I raised four million pounds in private finance in my first 18 months have been on LinkedIn. So I don't know how you define real work, but when I say I'm not that busy, that's because I'm too busy being efficient and having lots of quality time relaxing, whereas these busy fools don't have time for LinkedIn. So what they're doing instead is traveling up and down the country to a million networking events and client meetings and spending hundreds of pounds, thousands of pounds on travel expenses and have been away for their family to get the exact same result that I'm getting by doing one or two posts a day. So I don't know how other people define work, but I think that's something I'm pretty good at is working smarter not necessarily harder Mm. and uh, you know a lot Mm. of people i think if they took that approach and they weren't disheartened when they don't get the traction other people are getting because it's demoralizing we all compare don't we we're not meant to but we look at what other people are doing and somebody else might be putting out content and you think well that's not even as good as my content she's got three thousand likes on her post and i've had 20 likes and yeah. we're a bunch of big kids looking for validation sometimes and you see yeah. people starting and then stopping but it always reminds me a little bit of that if you've seen that picture of the guy with the pickaxe and he's been mining for gold for years and yeah. eventually he turns around he's like I'm done and just if he'd went unbeknownst to him if they just went another couple of inches the treasure trove's just kind of there and I always feel like that yeah. with social media you don't know who's watching there's always exactly. lurkers and yeah. also some of the success like You'll probably tell for me, raising finance is how it started out, but my eyes light up when I start talking about the other opportunities I've got from social media, the connections I've had, the people that reach out to me and, for example, the editor or editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, which everyone's heard of, he's coming on my podcast and connected with me and messaged me because of a a post I did. I've had Elena Cardone messaging me on multiple occasions from my my LinkedIn posts and all these amazing people who just would never have heard of me. And the other thing as well, even people that don't actively follow you They will check you out. It's like for a podcast, for example, you know, because you guys are in the podcasting world, depending on, this is brutal, and I'm not necessarily saying it should be like this, but people want to know your download numbers when they're at a certain level. They want to know how big your email list is. They want to know how big your social media following. Like, I'm negotiating with Grant Cardone to come on the podcast at the moment. They want, like... Everything and if you're just somebody that's got a hundred followers, I I'm, don't shoot the messenger, but you're not ever going to get Grant Cardone in your podcast. No,
0: no. Yeah. But also build up to that. I think you're yeah. so right when you say that. You know, the pre work is the work. So we, Anna and I, gave a webinar um, to a load of people the other day, um, based in Dubai. Most of them. It's funny because we're talking about how to think about the foundations. so think about what your persona is and think about your what you're going to niche and what they want because people don't buy the stuff they're buying an outcome so if you've got that right that will make your content far easier and then you can start to go out and you know a couple of people in the comments are just like well aren't you just tell us what to do what to press you know how to monetize and they just want to kind of get straight to the end goal without doing any of the pre-work and it you know whether I don't know whether it's lazy or whether when you look around you see other people being so successful but you never see all of their pre-work, do you? But that's—I'm so glad you said that because that's the thing that makes the difference, isn't it? And,
2: and that's the bit—is what? What is it that people see? You get rewarded in public for the things that you do in private it's the things that you do the vast majority of the time that's not sexy that's not glamorous it's turning up on the days you really don't want to turn up like me back in 2008 i didn't go to that training and then my life was sorted out i was then trying to wean off of very very high doses of medication feeling worse than i'd felt in years having suicidal thoughts still struggling to leave the house but continuing and putting one foot in front of the other and not necessarily going from zero to a hundred.
0: But it's just trying to get through the day a little bit better than you did the day before.
2: A hundred percent. And and mm. that's what works. You know, it, it, it doesn't Happen overnight, but nothing does, and nothing worth having is easy yeah. to get either. There's a reason that we're in the the one percent. There's a reason that ninety five percent of businesses fail for within the first five years because it's tough. You need to be a certain kind of crazy to do what we do. Yeah, we we're
0: learning, we're, we're failing. failing. Whether it's a whether it's a post you put out on social media that you think is great and nobody comments on it, so you know the small failures, or whether it's a product you put out and nobody buys it, you've got to get used to failing and still carrying on because that. When the success will come, do you
2: know that Winston Churchill said that success is bumbling from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm? How much does that mean? Yeah, yeah, Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) that's me. You put a thing about failing, didn't you, on LinkedIn the other day, Ellie? And I put, Well, I'm quite surprised how much I've failed already. And it's like day 17 of the year, (laughs) like 17th of January. Or, and actually, that was the morning of that day that I put that as well. I was like, Oh, so well, i have actually going to like all out to get like more no's this year as well because obviously all the no's lead to the yeses don't they so I'm like creating a collection of no's um which that it sounds negative it actually isn't because actually when you when you look back you think oh okay that's and and then it's quite surprising when you're all out trying to get like some no's and then people are saying yes along the way it's
0: like well one of the things we say to our clients is what if I told you categorically you have to get 20 no's and then you'll get a yes You know, how would that change how you behave? And they're like, well, I'll go out to try and get those no's really fast and start asking people for stuff all the time because the quicker I get those no's, the quicker I get to the yes. And you think, "Okay, exhibit that behaviour and that's exactly what will happen. That is so,
2: so powerful. Richard Branson talks about this as well. He's like, look, I have failed Mm. way more than I've succeeded. But you actually don't. don't. If you look at people's ratios... The key is to take the blooming action. That is the truth. Yeah. It's not people sit, like, sitting on their laurels, whatever sector it is. I mean, times are crazy right now, but there'll always be something. There are always going to be like economic downturns or upturns or wars or pandemics. Like The last three years has taught me to just constantly expect the unexpected. But the people who are getting ahead are not the ones
1: that are waiting for everything to be great before they take out yeah and it's what you said earlier about um people waiting until those ducks are in a row so and and then they go out and so ask for money or and actually we speak well, we get the, a lot of people say
0: oh, i just need to launch my website, website. Yeah, and then yeah. then i'm going to get out and so and you're like oh, no and just then,
1: get out there no my website's done and no one will care because you know they don't know who you are what you you're about audience, but, you know yeah. it doesn't mean anything you've spent like thousands of pounds on this great website that looks brilliant but no one knows who you are or wants to go click and, I, and, and I, find out I was going to say, I sort of describe it as your shop
2: window. What I say is it doesn't matter how good your display is on that front window. It doesn't actually matter how good your products are, the quality of your products, how amazing the customer service within your shop is, how well priced your stock is if nobody is walking past yeah. that shop window, it's all completely irrelevant. And this yeah. is why I am quite passionate about the social media thing. Some of my posts on LinkedIn, and by no means all of them, but they've had well in excess of a million views. That's a million
0: eyes on yeah. my... yes. My, my, my Imagine what you'd pay shopping. for national TV. You know, I used to work in marketing where we had to pay for that, and I used to spend millions of pounds to get the equivalent. And then, you're like, you know, it's like hoping hope strategy as well isn't it because at least on social media as well you can be more targeted with that in terms of your connections and and the people that you have uh, connections with it's just it's it's a mad opportunity and people that don't take advantage of it i just think are nuts yeah well, one
2: of one of my posts it was actually about values it was about whether you're a ceo multimillionaire a billionaire if you don't treat the people, we're we're all equal. For me, there is this, there's still too much of this hierarchy where we see some of the more um, menial jobs as somehow being less worthy. And whilst I've got the respect for people in um, authoritative positions in terms of, what that it, it takes to get there. If you're somebody who speaks to someone else in a derogatory manner, then to me you're not a successful person, and you're not someone that I want to collaborate with and do business with. Now, this particular post went over a million views, and I actually had, and we've got a very stringent process. Then before we pick up the phone to people, you can't just jump on a call with us. But we had 70 qualified leads, as in actual calls, people that had shown us proof of funds, that already jumped through. Load of hoops and given us their id from a compliance point of view filled out multiple forms 70 qualified phone wow. calls off the bat, of people wanting to invest in our property business on a post it was talking about values with no mm. reference to property whatsoever
0: but what's no to done all the pre-work you've built the no like and trust in everything else you've done before that as well so that's the trigger that's made them contact you but everything mm. else you've done has, has led up to that So Um, if
1: you haven't got started and you're listening, watching this, Today, just get started is what I'd Put say. One get but then-
0: one post yeah, out yeah. and prepare that it'll go nowhere and hardly anyone will see it. And maybe yeah. tomorrow be a little bit better, and the next day a little bit better. And that's yeah. The thing. Do you so know what I find it? as well that this is a bit of a
2: bugbear of mine? So, like when you do sit down because I write all my own content, I have people that help out my social media and things, but my written format that goes you may tell by the typos that goes out of my LinkedIn and my my Facebook that that is still all me. Genuinely, is all me. And I'll I'll sit and spend because you're not always in flow banging things out sometimes you're like you have to push through again if you just wait for that inspiration you're waiting for the cows to come home it's like well I need to put out a post this is the time I've allocated to do my social media so I'm going to come up with something so you have certain processes that you go through that might help to inspire you etc etc you put something down and you've spent you know, half an hour, an hour even, putting this post together, like I say, you'll get very minimal engagement. And then you'll just do one a bit later on, like the dog jumped up on you something like Oh, working from home, can't get anything done, got the dog sat on my lap, and it'll go nuts. It'll go nuts. You think all that time I spent on that other
0: post and nobody cares. But that, again, that's one of the secrets that we teach to people is that it doesn't have to be quality. Just put something out super fast and get... And they're like, well, how's putting that out going to help me to... You know, sell whatever and you're like it's not what it's going to do is going to get eyes on you and it's yeah. going to get that platform to think oh people like this person's post so the yeah. next time you put something out yeah. it's going to make a difference they, to you.
1: if they interacted with the dog one likelihood is then that they'll see that other one that was more thought out like yeah. because they interacted with the dog one so it kind of helps yeah, yeah. but yeah
0: good. so anyway two questions we ask every single guest are firstly to recommend a book that has helped you along the way my favourite book I'm actually just reading the um, the
2: second one at the moment it's David Goggins Can't Hurt Me oh. absolutely incredible book incredible it's just all about mental resilience it's about building your emotional intelligence it's hardcore it's not about accepting your own BS and it's about just moving out of that victim mentality I, I feel that David Goggins has been in such a process with his own life where he has not just dealt with trauma but he is dealing dealing with the things in his head in a way that our psychologists, our psychiatrists, our pharmaceutical industry can never understand. So to me, he's an absolute inspiration. I'm halfway through his second book at the moment. So can't hurt me. Everyone needs to read it. It's amazing. definitely.
0: And then the second question is, what makes you savvy? My gut instinct
2: is like, oh, what am I savvy at? You know, I don't particularly, I do consider myself a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. What I'm very savvy at is getting around the right people. Getting around people that are far 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 more savvy than me yeah and and from a very early point you know I mentioned there about the social media I'm observing what everybody else is doing that 99% of other people are just darting around the country constantly going to all these and I I mean this without causing offense but quite low-level networking events you know where everybody because it makes you feel busy It it makes them feel busy, but what are they actually achieving with all these breakfast meetings and coffees and bacon sandwiches and things? And I just thought, nah, you've got, it's saturated. You've got all the fish are in the same pond. I thought, I need to be playing in a different pond here, I need to be playing in a different league so again when we didn't have the resources, I'm I'm not recommending other people do this by the way, I'm just telling you what we did, we went all in, we sold our family home we moved into a rental, we invested that into our property business but we also invested that getting around people paying for education, paying for high level masterminds, not always to learn but mainly to connect I mean obviously to learn as well but to grow through other people's success and recognise that I wanted to to be around uncommon people who were achieving things that we were yet to achieve and yeah. through doing the podcast that's just taken that to a completely different level because now instead of paying hundreds of thousands of pounds of mentorship i can access some of the best most brilliant minds in the planet and pick their brains ask them whatever questions i want share that with my audience which is obviously creating an immense amount of value but on a personal level i'm uh, one, I'm learning and I'm growing, but I'm also making friends
1: with these yeah. people. You're connecting with some great people, aren't you? That you would, like, say you'd never get an hour of the time otherwise. Because- you wouldn't have. I mean, I've had like, um, you know, Joe jo
2: Foster. Uh, founder of Reebok they've been around for dinner we meet them fairly regularly loads of my guests Mark Victor Hansen, the author from Chicken Soup for the Soul him and Jack oh, Hamfield yeah. the best-selling author of, of all times and See, Chicken Fit- Soup
0: for the Soul is a great story of um, not accepting failure didn't he try to get that published like 300 times he had three it was over
2: 350 times so one of the things yeah. he did Anita and, and he's became a friend of mine you know mm. he's been on the podcast a couple of times him and his wife Crystal they're actually helping me with my book they're they're publishing my book for me wow. another great great connection i just wouldn't have had if it weren't from the podcast he put me in touch with john Martini and what have you but he was rejected 350 times and what mark decided to do was to interview he was like okay very smart guy i need to see what other successful authors are doing differently people that have clearly already been through this public process and been published so he set about and went to interview a lot of people don't know this part of the story he went and set out to interview 100 best selling authors so that he could obviously have that conversation with them and do a deep dive into what they were doing differently and I just That's thought great. wow very powerful yeah.
1: message
0: there yeah definitely yeah, yeah. fabulous yeah. Interesting. interesting stuff and hopefully inspired people to keep going
1: yeah well there's yeah. Been some good, good comments and we're doing this live as well as the podcast And there's been some you know. In, uh, some uh, comments that have been quite positive which is brilliant. So if people are watching this now or listening to this now and they want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go to, Ellie? The podcast uh, is, we have conversations like this, really engaging
2: conversations the podcast, not about me, it's about the guests, I've been blessed to have some incredible people, some of which I've mentioned today but there's been so many more thought le- leaders, people that are at the top of their industry, not just in business but whether that be spiritually health, people who know what it takes to get a book published so it's a uh, very eclectic and and you can't miss me i'm all over social media linkedin instagram well, we've even joined tiktok but i'm not convinced we're doing a great job on tiktok yet, yeah so and, and and we will be on youtube from the first of february
0: if you're enjoying property marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate follow and subscribe Awesome. What an inspirational person. And just like she said something in that, which I actually noted down, she raised four million pounds in finance by using LinkedIn for 18 months. So anybody that says, you know, LinkedIn doesn't work for my business. LinkedIn isn't right for me. um, You know, it's really hard to find people who want to invest on property because you can't search by job title or just like, oh, I just feel a bit cringy and I don't want to get out there it's your business you know yeah. ellie talked about it and we talked about it in the podcast but it's part of your business it's an important part of your business and it's the difference between success and being mediocre and trundling along and thinking oh god why isn't this making the difference for me so yeah i like that she talks stuff that we've been saying for a long time yeah um, it's good when we have podcast guests that basically say the same as us in their
1: words yeah, and we're like they're like we want. yeah that's right guys so you do if you're not sure how to do it you need to reach out to us we will show you how. So, yeah, pretty cool.
0: But I also think that what she talked about, and I think she's probably quite modest about it, but what she did is, you know, during an extremely difficult time, she turned her life around, but she took action. And, Mm. you know, she said the first deal, it took 13 months to get a return on. That must have been quite a frightening 13 months thinking, shit, you know, they've sold their house, they're in rented. So, yeah, these things, they're not easy. And if they were easy, everyone would be doing it and making loads of money, but it is possible. But you've got to put on your big girl pants and actually take action yeah, and it's exactly. the same with social media don't you you just have to go for it
1: you know you say big girl pants we help a lot of men don't we so what could be the equivalent of that big, big man big, pant, pants get, don't sound right get big balls <laughs>
0: find yeah. your big
1: balls get your batman cape on that'll do <laughs> but anyway, yeah, think like Batman or whatever. You need to do whatever Wait, do you, know need you to want do. to wear. Big girl pants, you can wear big girl pants. You can you still, boys. yeah, anybody can. Yeah, yeah, you can just get out there and do it, make it happen. Yeah. So, if you would like to win the book that Ellie shouted out, which can't escaped- hate me. Oh, David Goggins' one, yeah, that was it. Mm. When I read that, I read it on Audible while I was attempting to do some running, and I was only running for like twenty-five minutes every day in December. He's in my ear talking about like how he's broken his leg and still running, or or doing like ultra marathons days on end, and there's oh, just doing, annoying, just doing twenty-five minute. Run. No, it was good because I was like laughing at myself, thinking if David David can do all that, I'm sure, I can do a few more steps. <laughs> back to the house yeah. jogging steps back to the house
0: so cool if you think you want to do more in property but you don't know where to start then contact us we can help you get visible and you know find that investment out there on LinkedIn it's out there. In, a, in a more
1: interesting way than just a um, social media post with you holding some keys of your oh, yeah. most recent property <laughs> <I'll> do it <laughs> see you later bye. bye
0: that was property marketing made easy the podcast from Cat Savvy Club if you enjoyed it connect with us on social media Just search Get Savvy Club.